Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello and welcome to our podcast series, Beyond Markets. I am Jenai, Financials and Real Estate Analyst in the Julius Baer Equities Research Team. Today, we will be talking to Christine Lee, Asia-Pacific Head of Research at Knight Frank, about the sector that's been getting investors all excited, but keeping policymakers awake at night. Asian property. Hello, Christine. Good to have you with us on Beyond Markets. Hi, Jen. It's a pleasure to be here. Asian property markets have remained buoyant throughout the COVID pandemic and recovery, defying predictions of a collapse in capital values and rents. In a sign of just how hot the sector is, direct investment into Asia-Pacific real estate hit US$84 dollars in the first half of this year, just 6% shy of 2019 levels. Office, logistics, come industrial and retail have attracted significant capital flows, each accounting for about a third of deals last quarter. Meanwhile, residential prices have just gone through the roof and are rising at their fastest pace globally since pre-GFC or global financial crisis days. Christine, let me start with some numbers from Knight Frank's Q1 2021 Global House Price Index published in June. Average housing prices are up about 7% in the one year to March globally, and in Asia, price increases have been led by New Zealand, where they are up 22%, followed by Singapore and Japan at around 6% and China at around 4%. In Hong Kong, the world's most expensive housing market, the centre city leading index hit a historical high earlier this month. It would seem that contrary to expectations of a rout in prices and sales volumes, COVID has instead turned out to be a blessing in disguise for the property market. Yes, that has indeed been the case. The residential market performed exceptionally in 2020, making it the best real estate asset class to invest in many gateway cities across Asia. Initially, when COVID first broke out, many thought that they would lose their jobs, putting a lot of pressure on affordability and sustainability of the loan repayment. To put things in perspective, during the global financial crisis, the residential market in Asia-Pacific region lost 9.5% from peak to 12. This time around, Prices have gone from strength to strength, increasing by 7.1% from the start of the COVID. Can you share a bit more about what you are seeing on the ground and why the market has defied expectations and gravity? And given that housing prices in Asia are already up by so much, where are the cities you would expect fundamental growth to continue carrying the market to new highs beyond this initial stage? Sure. Taking a closer look at individual markets, a number of key areas have performed extremely well. In Guangzhou, for instance, the Greater Bay Area story, speculative purchases of houses as an investment have driven prices up significantly over the course of this pandemic. Real estate has always been seen as a very stable and safe investment in that market. However, with the government stepping in and announcing regulations to curb speculative buying, the prices may soon flatten. How about outside of China? 
Australia, Singapore and Hong Kong are all seeing a supply and demand mismatch, resulting in a steady rise of the welling prices over the past 18 months. The delay in constructions in markets like Sydney has forced buyers to pay higher and higher prices for those available on the market during the pandemic. This is further encouraged by low interest rates, also a policy consequence of COVID. In Singapore, Despite the steepest recession on record, the strength of domestic demand supported by upgraders and the general positive economic outlook this year meant that prices continued its upward trajectory in 2020 and 2021. It is the same story for Hong Kong, with issues of land constraints and pent-up buying demand coupled with construction delays. Prices have grown by 4% since COVID began. Wow, supply deficits and increasing demand have certainly set the stage for further strength in housing prices from here. Christine, do you think it's too late for property investors looking to buy to get in now? Well, the momentum in the housing boom is not slowing down anytime soon. There are some segments that continue to look attractive to us. We are generally bullish on the ultra-luxury markets across the region, particularly in the penthouses segment. Our research across five global cities shows that penthouses are on average 129% larger than the average unit in the same development, but command a premium of 35% per square foot. Singapore's penthouses actually have the smallest premium of only 7% amongst its global peers, which makes it a steal for the ultra-high net worth individuals. Hmm, that indeed looks like good value. But taking a step back, at this stage of the cycle, are there any risks that investors should be aware of? Definitely. Regulatory changes or cooling measures are top of the mind. For instance, when the pandemic exacerbated the income inequality, there have been talks about reintroducing estate tax or wealth tax and also restrictions on foreign buying. Geopolitical risks are also heightening due to changing dynamics of international relations. Meanwhile, interest rates could start rising earlier than expected, given that Federal Reserve is thinking of scaling back the bond purchases. These are truly very valid concerns. And actually, potential policy intervention is one of the reasons why we have hold rather than buy ratings on the Asian property developers that we cover despite these very strong physical property market fundamentals. Expectations of rising rates have also hurt price performance of Asian REITs in some markets. You know, it's interesting that as a whole, equity returns of Asian property stocks have not reflected the resilience of the physical market at all. For instance, the MSCI Asia-Pacific Real Estate Index was down 9% in 2020 and is still underwater year-to-date. I think this may be a reflection of the rather old economy profile of Asia's listed property sector as well. That is true. Much of the listed market is still very biased towards property development and commercial assets like offices and malls, which have been adversely affected by mobility restrictions imposed during COVID. Yes, indeed. The rise of hybrid work arrangements and the growing use of technology in facilitating meetings has prompted a lot of speculation about the future of offices. Christine, would you agree that offices as we know them in the pre-COVID era are dead? Or is Asia different? And as countries exit lockdowns and move towards normalisation, 
Are there trends you are observing that could give clues to the post-COVID office landscape? Well, it is true that the office market is going through some structural shift due to disruptions arising from the work-from-home trend. This is a fact that is reflected in investment trends in 2021 as investors scaled back on office investments but increased in industrial exposure. Wow, that does sound very gloomy indeed. While there is much talk about the death of the office or the de-densification of the city centres, we believe that offices will remain a key feature of business infrastructure. A two-tiered market is forming with corporates favouring high-quality buildings due to increased emphasis on employee health and well-being. The optimism around workplaces is also reflected in APAC occupiers' sentiments towards growing their portfolios over the next three years. Our survey earlier this year shows that 30% more APAC occupiers are positive on growth in their real estate footprint as compared to global peers where overall 5% more occupiers want to downsize their portfolio. Therefore, we are seeing good demand being driven from the growth prospect rather than the cost-saving prospect. That does indeed provide reason for optimism. And on a related note, what about retail? That's another old economy's real estate sector that's been grappling with structural changes even before COVID happened. That's right. Many retail market observers had forewarned about the impending disruptions that e-commerce would bring to physical stores, but many would have only expected these challenges to impact discretionary goods such as electronics and books, while other non-discretionary consumer stables would remain resilient. However, COVID and its lockdowns resulted in nearly all forms of retail needing an online presence. Despite movement restrictions largely being lifted, consumer behavioural changes will likely outlive the pandemic. The subsequent recovery in footfall at physical stores across the region has been less than expected. This profound shift means that the retail properties, especially those struggling before the pandemic, may never regain its pre-COVID values. Wow, that is indeed a big change. So Christine, if you had a crystal ball, what would you think the future of retail in Asia would look? Asia being the home of 60% of the world's population will continue to see the rise of the middle class and demand retail services. However, while they used to walk the malls to search for the items they wanted, they are now using internet to do so and spending more time at home. So in order for them to make a trip down to the retail malls to get what they want, they are looking for a seamless experience both online and offline. Hence, we are seeing more live streaming for deeper user engagement, and that helps with online and offline sales eventually. And more people are also buying cross-borders as logistics becomes more efficient and the customer experience is enhanced. We expect retail properties to gravitate towards showrooming, pickup points, F&B and services. It could also be more entertainment and leisure-led, where retailers think of ways to entice shoppers back to the stores. Hmm, retail definitely looks like a work that's still in progress. The fact that retail REITs have underperformed across Asia certainly reflects this very difficult but necessary transformation that must take place. 
Now, besides retail, another big underperformer has been the hospitality landlords. I think there's no surprises there. Christine, how do you think hotel and serviced residence players will emerge from the pandemic? And what are some interesting trends you are observing? I believe that the main thematic play for investing in 2022 is the synchronized global economic recovery, which will likely gather speed next year. This is driven by higher vaccination rates and falling infection rates, with more countries lifting travel restrictions. If we go by this scenario, which by all counts is probable, sectors that have been most structurally impacted by the pandemic and lagging the economic recovery will benefit the most, and hospitality assets are a play in that direction. If you are a risk-on investor, hospitality assets can be compelling. More opportunistic investors can also consider buying some repriced hotels and serviced apartments and wait for the upturn. Some other markets such as Malaysia are also seeing repurposing of the office assets to serviced apartments and hotels because of weak demand for office sector. That is indeed an interesting development. Christine, for investors with a more moderate risk appetite who are looking for less volatile returns, what would you be recommending? This crisis is different in the sense that manufacturing is considered essential and there is so much demand going into the healthcare production lines. Hence, it has propped up the industrial and warehouse demands. The industrial sector is an obvious winner as the boost in e-commerce consumption and vaccine rollout has broistered the demand for logistics spaces and data centers. Having said that, when we are talking about buying opportunities, we should also look at the price premium. Currently, whether it's logistics or data center, the premium has largely been priced in. And these new economy sectors are also propelled by other longer-term factors, which are the permanent shifts towards e-commerce and data consumption brought on by the pandemic. By all means, the logistics story in the region is not over, as there remains a shortage of modern warehouses in the region but it is maturing. Investments into the logistics will likely provide more stable core returns. That sounds great, Christine. As a house, we are also positive on the new economy industrial REITs, some of which offer attractive dividend yields of 4-5% to and are underpinned by resilient structural trends. Before we close today's discussion, let me end with a question perhaps many of us are also mulling now. If travel curves were fully lifted, and this looks increasingly likely with higher vaccination rates and talk of freer travel, Christine, where would you like to go for a holiday and why? I'm actually very fond of Germany, so when I heard that Germany is the first country on the list to open for leisure travel, I was already googling where to go. That's also because I spent about 8 months living there with my family 5 years ago, but I still can't get enough of the mountains and the lakes. They are just so stunning. It would be a nice family trip back to Germany to visit the Alps and do some hikings together since my kids are already in primary school. Wow, that sounds lovely. I believe you're not the only one thinking of that because according to online travel booking site Expedia, queries for travel from Singapore to destinations in Germany have already spiked nearly 10 times. Meanwhile, interest for travel to Singapore from Frankfurt and Munich has also jumped 70%. Last I checked, air ticket prices have not increased by very much yet, but they could soon, so do book quickly. 
Thanks for that reminder. I should definitely start planning. On that happy note, thank you, Christine, for your insights and takeaways. It has been said that the best investment on Earth is Earth. COVID has changed the face of the Asian real estate market, but it has not cooled interest in the sector. Our discussion with Christine today has affirmed the evergreen appeal of Asian property for investors. The housing market in Singapore and Hong Kong should remain healthy on the back of supply-demand imbalances, with luxury penthouses an attractive segment. Prime office continues to be buoyed by the flight to quality and increased business confidence. Retail is an interesting work in progress, and logistics is the go-to asset class for investors in search of steady core returns. Meanwhile, hospitality could provide the comeback story of 2022 if all goes according to plan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Markets. Do subscribe to our podcast series on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. From all of us at Julius Bear, thank you and goodbye for now. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Bear. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Bear, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.